All right, welcome in episode 140 of the Hot Grits Podcast. I'm Travis Jadon, Coach's Corner, the number one sports bar in Savannah, our title sponsor here on HGP, www.coaches.net, 3016 East Victory Drive, or if you want to call ahead your order, it's 912-352-2933. Check out the other shows on the Coach's Corner Sports Network. Uh, the Herb Brothers. Once a year, Masters Savannah on YouTube, breaking down the Masters. Rubbing and grubbing with Brandon Bain every Wednesday night, right there on the Coach's Corner Facebook page. Also archived, rubbing and grubbing on YouTube. Uh, And then Carl Damasi every Saturday morning, live from Coach's Corner, breaking down all things local sports. And you can find all of this, as always, Coach's Corner's Facebook page. Go like that page right now to stay up to date on what's going on over there. And then when you go to Coach's Corner at 3016 East Victory Drive, tell your bartender, tell your server, tell owner John Henderson that the Hot Grits podcast sent you, and they will hook it up on that bill at the end of your visit. Coach's Corner, our title sponsor here and the number one sports bar in Savannah. We want to thank them for supporting us, so you guys go support them. All right, let's get after it for 140th time, Hot Grits podcast. I've always kind of believed in aliens. I don't know if I believe in flying saucers. You might as well just walk up to Cupid while he's on his lunch break, you know, cranking a or something. Yeah. Him right in the face. Punch a little baby right in. <laughs> we'll see that. We're almost uh, three minutes into our sports podcast and yet to bring up not one sport. Roll out. Come on, You over there. All right, welcome in episode 140 of the Hot Grits Podcast. We're going to get going today. We'll start with the Atlanta Braves. We're going to start with the Braves, then we'll move to the Falcons, then college football, um, then a few off-the-field, quote-unquote, off-the-field stuff. This is the Season 7 finale of Hot Grits. A little housekeeping before we get to the Atlanta Braves. Um, Next week, Thanksgiving week, we will take off that week, and then we will start Season 8 the following week. Um, I think, as of now, that episode will include a new co-host for the Hot Grits Podcast, a new regular co-host with me, um, beginning with Season 8, Episode 1, 141 overall. Um, that still is not official, still not locked down, so I can't really you know, announce or... Um, you know, unveil anything else about that, but that's the plan right now. Next week off, uh, and then we'll start season eight. The following week, the uh, last week in November. Um, all right, let's start with the Braves. Michael Harris winning Rookie of the Year on Monday. Um, he finished first. Spencer Strider second. It's the first pair of rookies to finish one-two as teammates. First pair of rookie teammates to finish 1-2 in the Rookie of the Year vote since 2011. Also a pair of Braves, Craig Kimbrell and Freddie Freeman in 2011. So Michael Harris wins it, Spencer Strider second. And the Braves' future obviously looks pretty bright. Looks pretty bright. Tuesday night's the Manager of the Year vote. Um, I don't think Brian Snicker's going to win that. I don't think he's going to win that. I don't know if he deserves to win that to be honest. Um, So those are sort of some awards updates, but let's be honest. The Atlanta Braves offseason starts and finishes with 
Dansby Swanson. We're all on Swanson watch. We're all on Swanson watch right now. Um, the Athletic came out with a story or projections for their free agency, uh, like where they predict free agents will sign. And I saw that, and I know a lot of Braves fans reacted to this. I saw that Dansby Swanson was projected by the Athletic to go to Seattle on a seven-year, $154 million deal. Now, that story has Swanson moving to second base um, and them, the Mariners leaving J.P. Crawford at shortstop in that, in that scenario. You're not going to pay your second baseman $22 million a year. That's what seven years, $154 million is. $22 million a year. Okay, I would be shocked shocked if that happened right now besides the Braves I would think the Cubs are the front runner for Dansby Swanson besides the Braves I still think he comes back to Atlanta but just like that Freddie Freeman situation man like the longer you go closer we get to winter meetings you know the less likely it gets that he resigns with Atlanta or that he signs with Atlanta I mean he's a free agent Dansby Swanson is right now. Seven years, $154 million. If a team wants to give that to Dansby Swanson, who will be 29 on opening day, I think we have a tendency to think about Dansby Swanson as still a 25-year-old because he feels young, right? He looks young. Handsome guy. Looks a lot like me. But he's not. I mean, he's 29. Okay. So that is the prime, one of the prime years that you would project. Usually it's 28 to 32. Those are the four seasons that are, you know, sort of the prime, if you will. Every player is different, obviously. But 29 on opening day, if a team wants to give him seven years, 22 million per, they can have at it. I can't do seven years for Dansby Swanson. I want him back just as much as the next guy. But I can't give him seven years. I don't want to be paying my, a 36-year-old shortstop $22 million a year. I don't want to do that. It's not my money, obviously. I don't care how much money they give him. The problem is the length. I'm cool with giving him $22 million a year. I'd go as high as like $24 million a year. But I can't do seven years. Can't do seven years. Five years is as high as I'd go with Swanson. That puts him at 34 years old by the end of the contract. He might as well be a dinosaur. Seven years, $154 million. Miss me with that. Uh, All right, that's Braves news. Falcons. Boy, the Falcons threw up a stinker on Thursday night. 25-15 loss to the Panthers. Young Wei Koo, two missed extra points. Uh, I think a missed field goal in that game, too. The Falcons are now 4-6. and six. They're a game back from the Bucks in the NFC South. The thing is, they're actually two games back because the Bucks right now hold the head-to-head advantage. Um, Tampa went on... Well, I don't want to say they went on the road. I don't know who the home team was, but they were in Germany uh, on Sunday morning, and they won. So they're 5-5 five and five now. Falcons, like I say, 4-6. and six. So they host the Bears... The Falcons do. Then at Washington, then versus the Steelers. They can go two and one. They can go two and one over these next three, which is not asking too much. The Bears are shitty. Washington, shitty. Steelers, shitty. 
Washington just knocked off the Eagles, helping uh, Mercury Morris and the boys, the 1972 Dolphins, still the only undefeated team ever. It'll never happen again. There will never, ever, ever be another undefeated NFL season. Which makes the 1972 Dolphins the greatest team of all time. Sorry, not sorry. That's the truth. So the Commanders beat the Eagles, but they're not very good. And obviously, neither are the Bears or the Steelers. So if the Falcons can go 2-1, and one, like I said, like we talked about this last week, that puts them at 6-7, at and seven, heading into the bye week. Then you're on the road at the Saints. Then you can take care of business there. But, but you know, really the thing surrounding the Falcons right now is this Ritter-Mariota debate. And for me, it's if you're a Falcons fan... It's what you're prioritizing. Do you believe that this team has a chance to sneak into the playoffs? I think Arthur Smith does. You know, I think the Falcons do. And if you look at the standings, they do. They do have a chance. I mean, you you know, it's not like they're three games back in their own division. They're only a game back. And if they can beat the Bucs head-to-head in late December, uh, you know, that puts them right there. And that's... Honestly, the Bucks don't look like world beaters. They're starting to heat up. I think we all knew that they would start to heat up at some point. But they're only 5-5. Five and five. It's not like, you know, they're the greatest team on earth. I would stick with Mariota for now. But after these next three games, Bears, or Bears Commanders, Steelers. Let's say the Falcons go 1-2 or even 0-3 over the next three. Then it's time to put in Ritter. At some point this season, one of two things has to happen. One of these two things has to happen if you're the Falcons. You got to make the playoffs. Playoffs? Or, or if you're not going to make the playoffs, you have to go into this offseason knowing what Desmond Ritter is. Okay, and Arthur Smith sees him every day in practice, and I get that sentiment. I really do. I understand it. Arthur Smith is not starting Marcus Mariota thinking that he's worse than Desmond Ritter. He's just not. But if you end this season without making the playoffs, and you still don't know what you have at quarterback, you still don't know who the guy is at quarterback, or even if you've got a guy, that's the worst case scenario. Worst case scenario for the Falcons, they don't make the playoffs and they don't know what they have in Desmond Ritter. Now, I practice is all fine and well. You don't know what you got until he plays in regular season NFL games. Point blank, that's a fact. You don't know what you got until you see him playing games. And so if the Falcons aren't going to make the playoffs, you got to see who Desmond Ritter is at some point. But I wouldn't pull the trigger just quite yet. Okay, because you have a chance of losing the locker room. You got a chance of losing the roster. If you throw in Desmond Ritter, he's shitty. You lose a game or two. You know, that, could, that, has, the ten, that has the ability to go the other way for Arthur Smith and the Falcons. They've already, with four wins, they've already exceeded the expectations, which were as low as possible. But one of those two things has to happen, without a doubt. You got to know what you have in Ritter or you got to make the playoffs. 
really, it was a wild week in the NFL. We already talked about the Commanders knocking off the Eagles on Monday night. Um, and then also that Bills-Vikings game was dumb dumb. That was a stupid fun game. Stupid fun game. Vikings ended up beating the Bills and what was, you know, one of the wildest endings to a game that I've seen in a while. You, you already know about it by now, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, a wild week for the NFL. Uh, and I think, you know, the Falcons, they're certainly on Thursday night, they were certainly not the headliners of the week because it seems like that, that game against the Panthers was six years ago now. But, it, but for, for my money, this was the craziest week in the NFL so far. The Dolphins are the best team in the AFC. They're the best team in the AFC. They already beat the Bills. They're undefeated with Tua at quarterback. Uh, they are the best team in the AFC. And I'll say it now. Uh, John Carr, the best realtor in the world. 912-228-0916. 912-228-0916. Call Johnny if you're looking to buy or sell real estate in the Savannah area. He knows the market like the back of his hand. Born and raised here. Top five nicest guys on the planet. John Carr, realtor. Text or call him today. Find him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tell him that the Hawk Ritz Podcast sent you and he'll hook it up for you. Call him or text him today, 912-228-0916. Um, all right, Braves done. Falcons done. Let's talk some college football. What do you say? What do you say? The dogs, Georgia 45, Mississippi State 19. Georgia moves to 10-0, 7-0 in the SEC. They've won the East Division now five of six seasons. LSU has officially won the Western Conference, or won the Western Division of the SEC, so we know now what the setup is for the SEC title game. It'll be Georgia and LSU December 3rd in Atlanta, um, and we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. We'll certainly cross that bridge when we get to it. I guess the next time I talk to you guys, that'll be a preview of that game. It will be a preview of that game in Atlanta. Um, But first, let's talk about what happened in Stark Vegas, in Starkville, where Georgia had a backdoor cover, a little shaky ending to the first half, but uh, I think a 45-19 to 19 win, you can't really complain too much about it. Georgia has still not allowed a first-quarter touchdown. They're now 60-1. 60-1 under Kirby Smart when allowing less than 20 points. I'm sorry, 20 or fewer points. They're 60-1. and one. That's not you know, altogether surprising that you'd have a great record when you allow 20 or fewer points, but 60-1 and one is nothing to sneeze at. And I thought that was really incredible. Georgia, uh, 27 consecutive weeks inside of the AP top three. Uh, 25 of those weeks, they've been number one or number two. And the other two weeks, they've been number three. 27 consecutive weeks in the AP top three, in the top three of the AP poll, which is awesome. Um, I'm recording this on Tuesday morning, so later tonight, Tuesday night, the college football playoff rankings will come out. Georgia will be number one there. And right now, it looks like the most likely scenario for Georgia is that if they're the one seed, they'll play a four seed TCU team. 
which TCU every week, they, you know, people just keep kind of not believing TCU. I had a chance to watch them against Texas a little bit this past weekend. Um, and they're solid. Like, they're solid. I think they're a good team. They're definitely worthy of, right now of being in, in the college football playoff. But, I mean, they're not on Georgia's level. I, I've yet to see a team that's on Georgia's level when Georgia plays, you know, it's football game. I, I, like, against Mississippi State, how would you grade them? How would you grade Georgia's performance against Mississippi State? Letter grade, now, I would give it a, a, a B minus. B minus. So if you're playing B-minus football and you win by 26 points in your own conference, that tells you how good of a team they are. When Georgia plays B-minus, I think they can beat any team in the country. If they play A-minus, now we're talking. Now we're talking about basically what happened against Oregon, which is a shellacking. Poor Bo Nix, he lost. They lost to Washington over the weekend. Um... And I wanted him to get another shot at Georgia, just like he wanted another shot at Georgia. I have no doubt in my mind that if Bo Nix and Oregon play Georgia again, the result would be similar. I don't know if it would be as much as it was in week one, but it would be similar. Georgia would win handily. That will not happen now that Oregon has suffered its second loss. Um, I, like other teams sneaking around the the college football playoff conversation, you know, it's going to be crazy when it comes down to it, like it always is every year in this four-team playoff format. I think the SEC champion is in, let's call it Georgia, and I think that outside of that, there is no other SEC team going unless LSU beats Georgia. If LSU beats Georgia, they're both in. I don't see any way that Georgia doesn't make the college football playoff if they win at Kentucky this week, where the dogs are 22.5 point favorites, 330 CBS, or, or, and if they win at Georgia Tech. If they win at Kentucky and against Georgia Tech, which is an Athens noon game for like the 100th year in a row, they win those last two games. It doesn't matter what happens in Atlanta. Georgia's going to the college football playoff. Period. So if you're one of those teams on the outside looking in, say Tennessee, Southern Cal, even North Carolina, a one-loss North Carolina that wins the ACC championship, which would mean Carolina beats NC State, beats Clemson in the title game. That, that makes me think North Carolina deserves some at least consideration there. But if you're any of those teams, you're rooting for Georgia in the title game, in the SEC title game. That's for damn sure. Because you don't want out. And if LSU wins, they're, they're in. There is no scenario in which the SEC champion doesn't make the college football playoff. We can all agree on that, right? Yeah, I think we can all agree on that. Um, all right, back to Georgia-Mississippi State. Georgia still has a negative turnover differential, and they're 10-0. They're minus two in the turnover category on the season, and they're still 10-0, 7-0. That's incredible to me. That's a wild stat. Their senior class is now 44-5. The best number, or the 
the most wins for a Georgia senior class was last season. 2021 senior class went 45-8. and eight. So one more win gets this senior class tied for the best Georgia mark of all time. Two more wins, and they'll, they will have surpassed Georgia's all-time record uh, for an individual class in terms of total number of wins. I think the 1981 senior class was the best in terms of winning percentage, but in terms of most wins, this one has the chance to do it. Stetson Bennett approaching rarefied, rare air, approaching some pretty rare air when it comes to all-time Georgia quarterbacks. Uh, so, you know, you can sort of check out those stats for yourself, but he's getting ready, or he's on pace now to pass Aaron Murray, I believe, for single-season passing yards. Um, and that will include an SEC title game and any postseason games as well. So it looks like he'll do that. He ain't nowhere near what Aaron Murray was. I like Stetson Bennett, but he ain't Aaron Murray. And for those that say, oh, Aaron Murray didn't win anything, if Aaron Murray played in a system where there were four college football playoff teams, he would have gone to the college football playoff twice. But when he was in Athens... Only two teams made the natty. That was it. The old BCS. Remember the BCS, man? Seems like a thousand years ago. It seems so archaic now. But if Aaron Murray had four teams able to make a college football postseason or playoff, he would have been in it twice. And like, I don't know that they would have won, but they would have been in it twice. And, and so it's not really a fair comparison because Stetson Bennett went to the college football playoff last year as a three seed. Georgia was a three seed. Okay, so he doesn't make the college football playoff and never has a chance to win a national championship last year in the old system. So let's not do the thing where we compare championships and put Stetson Bennett over Aaron Murray strictly because he has a natty when Aaron Murray never had a shot of winning a national championship. He never lost a national championship game. Never had a chance to get in it. I would also argue those Alabama teams that Murray lost to were much better than the Alabama team that Georgia played. Uh, really, the Georgia's played in the last two seasons, certainly this season as well. Um, did you see what Mike Leach said? At halftime of the Georgia game. This is so funny to me. This is so funny to me. Here's Mike Leach walking into the locker room at halftime. uh, Right after his team returns a kick. Or returns a punt for a touchdown. To go into the half. Here's what Mike Leach had to say. Really upset about some penalties that were called and not called in the game. You've been speaking to the officials all night. What's your reaction to some of those calls in the first half? What's your reaction? You're watching the same game I am. Uh, I think you ought to comment on it uh, positive or negatively, whatever's running through your mind. So funny to me. So funny to me that that's what Mike Leach had to say. And you know what that means, folks? That means that Georgia has arrived, baby. Georgia has arrived when the rest of the country, including Pirate Mike, Starts talking about all the calls that Georgia's getting. This is what Alabama was, remember? We all complained that, oh, Alabama gets all the calls. Alabama gets all the calls. Georgia's that team now. 
Now Georgia is that football team that everyone else says gets all the calls. That, my friends, is how you know that Georgia has arrived. Kentucky, at Kentucky this week. Remember when we thought this game was going to be the toughest game of the season for Georgia? Especially in conference? Seems like a long time ago now. Georgia has won 12 in a row over Kentucky, including seven straight in Lexington. 330 CBS, dogs minus 22 and a half. Almost 23 point favorites, man. On the road in the SEC. What a great time to be a Georgia Bulldog fan. All right, let's talk a little Georgia Southern. What do you guys say? Georgia Southern threw up a stinker on Thursday night. While the Falcons were getting punked by the Panthers, the Eagles were getting punked by Louisiana. And I can't call them Louisiana Lafayette because they beat the hell out of Georgia Southern. Now they're 1-5 against Louisiana all time. What an awful, awful performance from Georgia Southern. I expected so much more after they got knocked around by South Alabama after blowing a lead. It was a 17-point lead against the Jaguars, right? Against South Alabama. After all that, Georgia Southern comes out and loses 36-17 to on national TV, on ESPN2. Can't happen, man. Georgia Southern's 5-5, five 2-4 and five, two and four in the Sun Belt. And now, you know, now things are getting tough. They're getting tough in Statesboro, and we'll see how tough Georgia Southern actually is. Marshall and App State coming up. But the injuries are piling up. Derwin Burgess now out for the season. Georgia Southern's best wide receiver. He joins Amari Jones on the shelf. Um, And look, he had started all 10 games this season. Started 10 in a row for Georgia Southern. I think it might be 12 in a row overall dating back to last season. He's out for the year. That's a huge loss for Kyle Van Treese and the rest of the Georgia Southern offense. Um... What you got this weekend is a good old-fashioned must-win against Marshall. You can't go into the App State game needing a win to get bowl eligible. Can't happen. Marshall is a three-point favorite in Statesboro this weekend, 6 p.m. on the plus, on ESPN+. Plus. They're 6-4, and 3-3 three three in the SBC. Um... But look, Georgia Southern has a lot of shit to improve on. They got a lot of stuff to improve on. It hasn't been good so far um, in November, if we're being real honest with ourselves. Thursday night, three red zone trips, three points total. Three points you got from three red zone trips. That's brutal. Seven penalties again, seven penalties, two straight games for Georgia Southern. They were 2 of 14 on third downs. They couldn't hold on to the ball. Kept fumble on the rock. Careless with the ball. The defense is atrocious right now. Their, Georgia Southern's defense is as bad as I've seen in the group of five. Like I, I don't know that there's a lot of defenses that are worse than this defense. I don't know if it's players. I don't know if it's scheme. I don't know if the offense and that style of offense has something to do with the defense. But if I'm a Georgia Southern fan, boy, I'm seriously wondering how long Will Harris lasts as a defensive coordinator. 
because it has not worked. Someone's got to take responsibility. Okay, when you play this bad, it can be one thing, another thing, or it can be both things. Okay, it can be the player's performance, the coach's play calling, or a little bit of both. I'm not going to guess as to which one it is because it's probably a mixture of both, but nothing, nothing is working. I mean, they get gashed. 563 rushing yards allowed in the last two games. Inexcusable. That is inexcusable. That's what you would expect from a team that has one or two wins. This team has five wins. They beat a top 25 team. They beat a power five team on the road. I need to correct something I said last week. I said it was Georgia Southern's first ever power five win. I meant it was their first ever power five win of the FBS era since they moved to FBS in 2014. Obviously, we know about the 2013 win at Florida. They'll never let us forget it after all. 563 rushing yards allowed in the last two games. 242 against Louisiana. Holy hell, man. That's, and it's not like they're great at stopping the pass either. At some point, you got to stop one or the other. Shit, if you can't stop the run, and right now, they cannot stop the run. If you can't stop the run, at least sell out and stop the pass. Be a great pass defense. They're not that either. And as good as Georgia Southern's offense is, they're still capable of going out and scoring 17 points, which is what they did Thursday night. Like, I don't want to pretend like the offense was dominant either. They weren't good either. No other way around it. They got punked on national TV, as Georgia Southern did. And they got it. Look, you got a chance. You're only a three-point dog here to Marshall. This is a must-win for Georgia Southern. Man, I can't shake the feeling. Now it seems like, man, they might not get to that 6-1 mark. This is a giant game for Georgia Southern this weekend. 6 p.m., ESPN Plus, Georgia Southern Plus 3. We'll see. We will see. Bold projections for Georgia Southern. Sports Illustrated has them in, as does USA Today. Sports Illustrated has them. Richard Johnson did this story in the Myrtle Beach Bowl versus Ball State. That would suck. Georgia Southern already beat Ball State this season. That would really suck. I don't want to play them again. And in Myrtle Beach, no less. Mm. Myrtle Beach is better than Conway. Myrtle Beach is better than Conway, but that game's played in Conway, so... Hmm. That would really suck. USA Today has them in the Cure Bowl, Orlando... Versus San Jose State. Uh, you'll remember Georgia Southern played in the Cure Bowl against Liberty in 20... Hmm, what was that? 2019. 2019. Hmm, could have been 2020. No, 2019. Cure Bowl. They lost to Liberty. But those, those are two of the projections. Like You can obviously look at the ESPN projections, the Athletic... Projections, but those are two of sort of the um, the secondary 
sites that I look at, Sports Illustrated and USA Today, when it comes to bowl projections, they still need one more win, though. And it starts this weekend in Statesboro, 6 p.m., ESPN Plus versus Marshall. All right, a little high school football now. Second round of the state playoffs coming up. Uh, you can check out the preview on PrepSportsReport.com. You can check out everything local sports news related on PrepSportsReport.com. Also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at PrepSAV. Um, free to use, no subscriptions. Uh, the best local sports news you can find. Most comprehensive and the easiest to read. You don't have to sign up for anything. You don't got to tell us your name. None of that. No trial offers. None of that stuff. Just plain and simple local sports news. PrepSportsReport.com is where you can find all of that. Three teams remain in the state football playoffs. Calvary, Savannah Christian, both in that Class 3A uh, classification in that bracket. Benedictine in Class 4A. BC hosts Spalding. BC will win that game by 30. They'll win that game by 30. Calvary hosts Darty. Calvary will win that game by 24 points. The Darty head coach, Johnny Gilbert is his name. He said, quote, I believe we, I think we match up with them, end quote. That's what he said about Calvary. Uh, having never seen Darty play, Coach Gilbert, you do not match up with Calvary. And I mean that in the nicest way possible, pal. I'd like to check in with Coach Gilbert at halftime of this game on Friday night, Specialty Sports Complex, see how well he thinks his team matches up then. Man, that's the wrong thing to say. I think we match up with him. You don't. You don't. Now, Darty has a really good quarterback, dual threat guy, but that's about it. They got a guy approaching 1,000 yards, too, at running back. But Calvary has 100 of those dudes. Calvary has dudes everywhere. And they're going to easily beat Darty. Friday night, Savannah Christian at Peach County. Now, this one, this one I'm not sure about. This one I'm not sure about. I I do think Savannah Christian is going to play with Peach County. They'll play at 8 o'clock, by the way, instead of 7.30. But I don't know that they can beat Peach County. Peach County is a legacy-type program here in the state of Georgia. None of that means anything. All that matters is what you are this year. But they are a legacy-type program in Georgia with you know, half a dozen state titles in the modern era. But Savannah Christian's no slouch either. They're red hot. I mean, the only team they've lost to is world-beater Calvary. This is part of the problem when you're a two-seed, though. you got to go on the road to face the Region 2 champ, Peach County Trojans. So I think, uh, what is that, Savannah Christian gets the Trojans this week? So does Calvary Day, the Darty Trojans. I think. I think those two teams are both Trojans. If they're not, I'll edit this part out. Just kidding, of course. Keep an eye on that. Uh, high school basketball season starting. If you did not listen to my interview with Kyle Sanding last week on episode 139, we go through all the high school basketball storylines. So you can check that out, at, check that out as well. Um, next week on the 21st and the 22nd is the Joe Green Tournament at Beach High School. All day Monday, all day Tuesday, 21st and the 22nd. 
Uh, let's see, Johnson's in it, top 10. Beach is in it, top 10. Darty is in it, top 10. Hiram is in it, top 10. And Porto is in it, top 10. Not a mask guy, but I think that's five top 10 teams in the tournament on the boys' side. Jeez. So good basketball over at Beach. Next week on Monday and Tuesday, you can check out that schedule for that tournament. Uh, on my Twitter account, at Jordan Sports, scroll down a little bit, it's there. Got a photo of the, of the rundown of game times on there. You can check out everything sports, local sports related, prepsportsreport.com. We want to thank them for being a segment sponsor here on the show. And we will wrap up the show with a couple of non-sports things. A little globe talk. You guys see the Parkers is open over on Duran. That's cool. Uh, they left the globe alone, just like we demanded of them. They know better than that. They know better than that. Don't touch our globe, pal. That Parker's is open. The Starbucks and Chick-fil-A will be open soon. Um, a little news here that has not been reported yet. Um, I can confirm that the Chick-fil-A on Mall Boulevard will now clo- will close down when the Chick-fil-A on Duran opens. Which I guess makes a little bit of sense, but like if you left both of them open, they're both going to still be busy as hell. It's not like the Mall Boulevard one's going to be struggling for business just because the Duran Avenue one opens. But yeah, that's interesting, I think. I don't know that I've ever seen a Chick-fil-A close down for any reason. But that's exactly what's going to happen when the Duran Avenue... Uh, location opens for Chick-fil-A and then you'll have a Starbucks on Duran and then you'll have a Starbucks in 12 Oaks right next to each other within you know a thousand yards of each other (laughs) something tells me those two Starbucks will be just fine business wise as well Um, no HGPCDOTW this week no Hawkeritz podcast celebrity death of the week this week but I will say happy birthday to macho man Randy Savage who would have been 70 today, November 15th. Macho Man Randy Savage, one of the greatest quotes of all time. One of my favorite quotes of all time. Listen to this. I'm living on the edge. And if anybody out here is not living on the edge, you're taking up too much room. If you ain't living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. Taking up too much room. I love that. So, happy birthday to the late macho man, Randy Savage. That guy was a real one, folks. A real one. All right, uh, thank you for hanging with me, episode 140. Again, next week we'll be off. Next week we'll be off for Thanksgiving. So, happy Turkey Day to you folks out there. Happy early birthday to my younger brother, Michael, uh, who turns some kind of age on the 21st. We will see you guys for Season 8, Episode 141. Not next week, but the week after that. Until then, stay safe. Wash your hands, you filthy animals.
Savannah's premier indoor baseball training facility, SBPA is owned and operated by Ross Howard, and together with instructors who have played college and professional baseball, Ross and SBPA offer customized instruction year-round for baseball and softball players, full-length batting cages, pitching mounds, and a state-of-the-art technology to measure improvement are just a few of the highlights over at the Academy. Call Ross at 912-484-5282 and visit the Savannah Baseball Performance Academy on Facebook for programs, teams, camps, and more information about how to take advantage of this great venue. Savannah's only year-round indoor baseball facility, Ross Howard, our guy, give him a call, 912-484-5282. Commercial and residential electrical services that you can trust. Braddy Electric is Savannah's number one electrical services for commercial and residentials since 1970. It's family owned and family operated. Reach them today at 912-233-1561 or 1104 East 35th Street. Braddy Electric, that's two Ds, B-R-A-D-D-Y. Five stars on Yelp, five stars on Google reviews, and Savannah's number one electrical servicer since 1970. Call them today, 912-233-1561. 